Hey there, Marketing Sweats fans, Misty here. Thanks so much for tuning in as I continue my conversations with female leaders in hardworking industries. I have a special episode for you today. I'm switching things up a little bit and hosting a group discussion with women from one of North America's largest engineering and construction organizations, Qit. The company employs over 12,000 core staff and more than 16,000 skilled craft workers and serves a variety of markets, including building, industrial, mining, oil and gas, chemical, power, transportation, and water. And today I'm talking with Stephanie Trevino. She's a commercial director with 25 plus years in engineering and construction. I'm also talking with Stephanie Stevenson. She's an engineer with seven to 10 years of experience and Cindy Hansen, who is a senior project controls manager with tons of experience and knows all the things. And rounding out the group is Grace Martinez. She's a field engineer that recently transitioned from a co-op position to a full-time QIT employee. I'm excited to learn more about the engineering and construction industry and get their take on how the industry has evolved, lessons they've learned, and points of view they've developed from being women in a traditionally male-dominated industry. Let's get to it. Okay, I am so excited to be here today with a group of amazing women from Qit. And I'll tell you who's on the line, and then we'll go around and do a real quick little introduction. I've got Stephanie Trevino. She is a commercial director with the organization. I've got Steph Stevenson, Cindy Hansen, and Grace Martinez. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having, having us. I'm so excited. As you guys know, I have not done a podcast with four amazing females, but I'm excited to jump into the conversation and we're just going to navigate it together. So I always like to start the conversations with a little bit of background about my participants. So I'd like to go around the room and have you each share just a little bit about your story, maybe how you came up in the world, and maybe how you got into this field. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to start with Stephanie Trevino. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So the easy start is that I'm a Texas native, and the key, I think, to my story is that I come from a long line of incredibly strong women. My grandmother raised her four kids after my grandfather was killed when they were young and really just kind of took over the whole family. My mom was a single mom, and so there's been a definite focus on making sure that the women of the family are able to take care of themselves and everybody else. And of course, to that end, she encouraged me to become an engineer since I was good at math because there was a clear career path there. Yes. And tell me, what does a commercial director do at Qit? How did you grow into that role? There is a whole long story with that one. So I've spent my career, what I call kind of chasing squirrels, right? It's really whatever I'm most interested at the time is where I go. So I started off in engineering. I was in a rotation program and got to try out different things. I was a civil engineer. I designed bridges. I moved on to sales. I switched from infrastructure to oil and gas. I kind of all over the map a little bit. And along the way, kind of gained enough experience to really run mega projects. But what I found is I was more interested in the problem solving than the technical. So the, we need to do this and how can we make this happen? And then I would have my experts around me. So I don't ever want to be the subject matter expert on any technical things. I just like kind of being the center of all the smart people. That's so great. And that's a theme I've heard all season. Female engineers love solving problems and they love facilitating ideas out of experts. So that's exciting. What's a mega project? How do you define that? I would say over a billion dollars. 
Oh my goodness. Give us an example. There's major LNG projects in Australia. I worked on one that was the ICTHIS LNG that was $40 billion. That's so exciting. So you, as a director, you kind of oversee the whole thing? So my position as a commercial director, we have an overall project director. And that project director has to deal with all of the things, the technical, the client, all of the fun things. And I kind of get to narrow my focus down to really focus on problem solving for our team. Nice. Okay. Thank you for that. That's super helpful. Let's move on to Cindy Hansen. Cindy, I have your title as Senior Project Controls Manager, and you're in Japan on assignment right now. So tell us a little bit about your story and kind of what you're doing today. So as far as my story goes, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. Um, Grandparents are farmers. And so after school, we'd get out, run up to the farm and play around and got to play with tractors and really big equipment when I was very, very young. And really just never lost the love for it. (laughs) And so when I went to school, my degree, my background is actually in professional and technical writing and kind of fell into the construction industry. I didn't even realize it was a thing for a career path when I was getting my degrees and uh, I just haven't left it ever since. That's so cool. I love that. So I'm in marketing. So obviously, I love the writing side of you. What was it about that that led you into more of a project controls position? So I got really, really lucky. When I graduated after getting my master's degree, there was a utility that was in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And they were working on building some construction projects, and they needed someone on staff who would be able to develop professional reports to submit to the local utility commissions in order to report progress and took a chance on someone who had no construction background and no knowledge and hired me into the project controls group. And I got exposed to more of project controls, cost, scheduling, reporting, and quantity management. And I haven't left. So when did you join QIT then? And and how have you grown in that organization? (laughs) Sure. So my first project actually wasn't with Kiwit. I spent five years working on the client side, as I mentioned, for the local utility. And Kiwit was actually one of the contractors that was working on the project doing work. And so that's how I first got introduced to them as a company and found out more about what they were. And as the project that I was working on was finishing up, one of the gentlemen from the Kiwit side said, well, what are you doing next? And I didn't know. So then I got an interview and I got hired on with Kiwit. And so I started with Kiwit in 2010 and I've been with them ever since. So I started out in reporting and scheduling and then from there just continued to grow and progress into more project controls and and project overview and management roles. Okay, awesome. And so tell us a little bit about your Japan assignment. (laughs) Yes. So currently we are working on a major oil, gas, and chemical project that will be built in the United States. And the contract was just awarded last summer. And we are partnered with a Japanese engineering firm in order to design the project. So I got assigned to the project last October and got the opportunity to come over to Japan and work out of our engineer's office as we progress the engineering and order to help make sure we have that alignment and that seamless execution for the duration of the project. So we've been over here since October and I've got several more months to go and just love the experience. That's so cool. 
We'll switch gears for a minute. I want to go over to Grace and Steph. Tell us a little bit about your roles, both as engineers, a little bit different level of experience, but I guess we'll start with Steph. Tell me a little bit about you. Hi. Yeah. So in regards to my story, I originally, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. So I had the Niagara Falls right, right in my backyard. So something that people travel across the world to see is I grew up constantly visiting. So that that's always been super cool story to tell people about. I actually, in regards to getting into engineering, I'm a bit of an oddball outside of my family. No one in my family has done engineering before. So I do always get that question as to how did I actually end up in engineering? I think really what it comes down to is that I'm definitely a problem solver. I love being that person in the room. You get that sense of fulfillment when there's so many minds on this one problem and you're you're the one that can end up figuring it out. I also love designing things. Constantly growing up as a kid, I was always such a tomboy, which I think I got from my mom outside in the dirt building the Legos, you know, all the, all the guy stuff I was doing, right. Definitely was not a girly girl. Don't wear the makeup, the hair, any of that (laughs) stuff. Um, So I kind of fit in perfectly in the construction industry here with these guys. Yeah. And so really just, just being it, being that tomboy wanting to be out in the field, getting my hands dirty. I think that's kind of how I ended up in construction I knew I I loved engineering from when I was at such a young age. I knew that that's what I was going to go to school for. I studied mechanical engineering. That's what my background is in. But I think I realized I had an internship during my time in college with Department of Transportation up in New York. And I knew then that I love being in the field. I love working with the craft guys. However, I did not love transportation. So that's kind of how I ended up moving out of New York, going down south and working in the oil and gas market. It's so cool. So tell me a little bit about your job today. What are you working on? So job today, I am the lead field engineer currently out here on the job we're on now working specifically in underground utilities. So I'm over all of the underground pipe, the duct bank, and then all the civil work that goes with that. So all the excavating, bedding, and backfill. And then Grace here is actually one of my field engineers who's helping out with all that. Oh my gosh. You guys are such badasses. I'm so excited. Grace, tell me about you. What do you do day to day? Tell me your story, Grace. I am a Houstonian, born and raised in Houston, Texas. I'm kind of a city girl kind of unfortunate, I know, but I'm a city girl, but my family is very outdoorsy, hunting. I was in a blind, you know, when I was the size of a loaf of bread and I absolutely love the outdoors. I was adventuring like a co-ed program through the Boy Scouts. I grew up through that program. So I was backpacking and I did a three, like one of my, one of my favorite things is backpacking. So I went like a three week backpacking trip in New Mexico at Philmont. So super, super fun. I love being outdoors. Again, same with my family. There are no engineers within my family. I think the closest we have in STEM is uh, some accountants like my mom. And so I think at an early age, they realized that I wanted to pursue something like engineering. So my mom did the best she could to expose me to women within the industry just to give me an idea of what it would be like as I grew up. So I would go to summits and discussions they had around town just to see like the role models out there for me. And I went to the University of Houston and I studied mechanical engineering. And I found Qit is a very like happenstance kind of thing. I was actually um, 
going to an info session for Qit through SWE. And it was very, it was very random. My mentor said, let's practice your communication skills. Let's go to the next info session that we have, bring your resume that we worked on and, and see what happens. And I got an internship through that info session. So it was very, it was a very coincidental. And I started with Qit in the more design side in oil, gas and chemical engineering. And I got to learn that aspect of the company and what a design engineer does. And as much as I love that aspect, I don't think I want to be in the office for the rest of my life. And so Qit is very lucky, has a constructs a construction company. So I, I transferred over to this side um, this past summer and I got to start on the project that we're working on in the office. And then I got hired on full time and now we're on site. That's amazing. You guys, I just love hearing your stories. I feel like I'm beaming with pride over here listening to you all talk about the influence that your family had on you and just wanting to be out in the dirt. I think that's so cool too, because so many of the women that I spoke to said that they fell in love with these industries because usually their first assignment had something to do with being out in the field. Is that true for you guys? How how many of you had that experience? Show of hands. There was something about being out in the field. Yeah. Okay. Cindy, you tell me. What was your story? So as I mentioned, getting into the construction industry, I had no basis of knowledge and I'm getting these reports from engineers talking about steam turbines and air-cooled heat exchangers and induced draft fans. And I have no (laughs) idea what any of these things are. And of course, in the construction industry, it's all acronyms. So we can't just say induced draft fans. It's all ID fans and ACHEs and there's an acronym for everything. And I'm supposed to be able to take this very detailed technical knowledge about pieces of equipment and re-report progress to a group of people who probably have the same knowledge I did at that time, which was nothing. And what I ended up doing is when we would have superintendents go out in the field and take a walk, I would ask them, I was like, the next time you go out in the field, can I go with you? And I just asked a million and one questions. And just to be able to walk out of the office and see what was actually being installed and what was actually being done and ask all of those questions of, okay, so this is a steam turbine. What does that do? <laughs> how does that actually work? And and what is the bigger purpose of this project? And how does everything flow together? I mean, it's one of the things that I just love and has kept me going out back to the field, even after almost 20 years in the industry. That's so cool. And I think I shared with you guys before we got started, while I'm not in industry, I work on the industry through marketing. And that was my exact approach, right? I would just ask fearless questions so that I could start to connect dots and move things forward. And I guess my question is, do you think that women do that any differently than men? Do you think that we have an inherent ability to just like let our walls down and say what we don't know and just so that we can learn? Or is it the same? What is your experience, Ben? I would say we're different. I would say (laughs) there's a lot less ego going on there that gets in the way. So I've I've found amazing, like with all of these women, everybody, that's the the ability to ask the questions and the lack of fear in showing a gap in your knowledge and appreciation for the people around you. You don't have to talk all the time. You don't have to be the expert. That has been the theme that everybody just wants to surround themselves with, like, people they can learn from. So that's so exciting. The other thing that I'm so impressed with you all is 
I probably had 50 submissions for this season and you're the only company that asked for four women to come to the table and have this conversation. So what that says to me is that you have a culture of women supporting women. Is that true of Qit? I see you nodding over there, Steph. Yes, um, absolutely. If you didn't know, we just had um, Women in Construction Week. And so all the women out on this job site actually got together for brunch and just went around the room. And same thing we're doing here, told each other our stories and and got to know one another. And it's just you feel that sense of support all day, every day. And like I said, I'm a tomboy and I and I grew up not getting along necessarily with girls just because they they were doing their hair and makeup and talking about boys and right and all that stuff. And and so it's a little nerve wracking always to be working with other women or being around other women. And it's just, it's been unreal these past five plus years of working with Cuid and these women out here of just how strong and independent. And like you said earlier, fearless, I think is a phenomenal word for what these women are. And just, they're so supportive. They will have your back. They'll be there. Anything you need, they got you. And it's been unreal. Nothing I could have ever expected it to be. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Stephanie, you wanted to add something? I would just say that this crew, I'm probably the newest one in this group, and they have welcomed me and they tolerate every weird divergent question that I go off on and they're just they're just amazing. I love working with them. They tolerated you coming on the marketing sweats podcast you you coordinated this whole thing <laughs> that is true there was a little bit of element of surprise i did yeah. randomly email them and say hey could you do this with me that's awesome i love it okay so we've talked a lot already i could ask you guys questions all day long but i need to back up and ask you to tell me about the organization itself cindy can i pick on you to do that give us a little background about the company of course so kiwit is actually one of north america's largest and longest running engineering and construction organizations that is wholly owned by its employees in the United States. It was founded in 1884 in Omaha, Nebraska by Peter Kiewit. He started the organization as building and making bricks for buildings and foundations. And so Really, the organization started with what we now refer to as our infrastructure side of the organization in warehouses, buildings, a lot of roadways, bridges, dam projects, and especially as you know the wars went on, being able to build out army barracks and support the war effort. From there, I mean, now the joke within the company is that as long as it's not a house, we will build it. So anything from transportation and distribution projects, as we've been talking about, we are all currently in the oil, gas, and chemical, but we've kind of got everything covered, whether it's water treatment, roadways, bridges, offshore oil rigs, transportation, power plants, data centers and warehouses for major technology groups. So it's one of the things that I truly enjoy about being part of Kiwit is that there is so much diversity. And especially when we have these, you know, mega projects that Stephanie was talking about, Kiwit truly takes the best athletes and assigns them to each project. So I want to pull on a couple threads there. So first of all, I think that oil, gas and chemical industry is fascinating. So that's so cool. But as you were talking, I almost had images in my mind of 
just progress, right? And to me, that's one of the reasons we're in this field. Like I could have an agency that helps sell groceries or, you know, any sort of product, but the fact that we're working in industries that keep the lights on, right? Or fuel the world. Is that part of your purpose? Like, how do you guys talk about that as an organization? And how do you sort of bake the culture into to provide meaning into your work? And I think I'm going to call on Grace because she's the newbie here. And I want to hear if that has been at all true of her experience as she's come onto the team. I think that's definitely one of the selling points within the Qit culture is no matter what part of cue it, you will be like, you never really know where you're going to end up. And it's the idea of like the final product that you're getting, right? I, I drove by one of the projects the other day that cue it built. And this was before I got to site and I saw what a final product could look like and what cue it as a company could do. And it just blew my mind. And it got me super excited about three years from now, what, what this is going to look like and what I'm going to contribute to and everybody else that I work with and just learning about different people along the way. I think just this week, I've met people from Michigan and Iowa and Florida and New York and so many other places and, and them just wandering onto this project as Qit brings them through here. And it's super cool to meet people and different experiences and things like that. That's so great. And Steph, I want to hear from you too on that issue of like seeing like the change in the projects, but also you guys talk about how important it is to network as you're working on these projects and meeting a lot of different people. I imagine that's probably helped you grow and learn as you've risen the ranks. Yes, absolutely. And there's there's a lot I want to say about Qit and all the things that I love about it. Um, in regards, I could go on all day about it. In regards, <laughs> question, in regards to networking, that is absolutely huge. The one thing that I've noticed over my past past few years here with Qit is that even though we're this massive company and we have what thirty some districts now, like Cindy was saying, we're we're in everything, every single type of construction industry we're in. Because we have so many districts, it doesn't feel like it's a massive company. We have. 250 people in the district that I'm in. And it is such a tight knit family. It really truly is a family. It doesn't feel like it's, oh, you're just a number in this massive company, corporate company. It truly is a family and it, and it almost has to be that way. Being in this industry, we're constantly relocating and traveling. Like I said, I'm from New York. My whole family is still up in New York. I'm kind of one of the first ones that that's left New York and came down south here. Hewitt really is my my family, my second family, my home away from home. That's so great. I can hear how proud you guys are. And I also resonate with the idea that, you know, as an organization grows, those foundational values are important, but so are sort of the microcultures that get built up in these little families that you talk about. I want to pivot though, to talk a little bit about some insights you might have being a woman in a traditionally male dominated field. So one of my favorite questions that I've been asking this season, because it has been so insightful to me, is when you think back over the course of your career, are there two or three things? even one that has been an insight for you that, you know, you think, gosh, I was fundamentally changed because in terms of the way I work, the way I execute, the way I lead because of the experiences that I had in working with my male counterparts or my female counterparts, I guess, but just with the idea that you're, you're in these sort of industries. So I'm going to start with Cindy and we're kind of going to do a round robin on this one. 
For me, one of those aha moments was, especially when I started 20 years ago, it was nothing for me to be the only female in the entire office that wasn't in an admin role, let alone when we're in senior management review meetings and you're talking to district managers. I was the only woman at the table. And so I would see how all of my counterparts would interact and discuss information, present information, tone of voice, body language, how they carried themselves in these meetings. And when I was a lot younger in my career, it was, okay, this is how I need to act. And it was a lot of trying to emulate those that I saw around me and how they communicated. And I mean, let's face it, it's construction. Sometimes it's a little aggressive too. And so I was trying to change my behaviors and my style of communication in order to almost adapt and fit into this environment. And I had a manager at one point in time pull me aside saying, what are you doing? This isn't you. And it's obvious that it's not you. And and so one of my aha moments was finding my own voice and not adapting to what I saw around me and having the self-assurance to not maybe be the most aggressive, but still be able to communicate and still be able to be a voice that was heard in those meetings, along with my other colleagues who were presenting information and making those right decisions for the projects and for the teams. A hundred percent. And I think I just came into this realization within the past three years. So I completely follow. What is it, Cindy, that makes you uniquely you, that you're no longer <laughs> afraid to put it in the universe? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Probably just no longer being afraid about my voice. So asking the questions and kind of to what Stephanie said, right? I have opinions, I have experiences, and just not being afraid to share those. Everybody has an opinion. And a lot of times it's very easy to silence a descending opinion because don't want to have conflict. You don't want to be the only one who's different than everyone else. And, and it's this need to conform and this need to, you know, well, if the guys are saying this, then maybe that's the right thing. And maybe I'm just looking at it wrong and learning to silence that. Absolutely. All right. Stephanie Trevino, tell me what your aha moment was. I think my aha for my career in general is the advantage of being the outsider. I spent so much of my career frustrated. I'm like, I'm the only one that looks like me. I may not be able to remember all 37 guys' names in the room, but they sure as heck are going to remember me. And is that a bad thing, right? I, you just, you're afraid to stand out. And I think somewhere along the way, I realized that that was my advantage. I could avoid the group think and I could disrupt the group think. Any kind of team, whether it be they're all from, either they're all from Kiwit and have been there for 50 years, or they're all from Texas and have the same background. Just having anything different about you helps you have that different perspective and, and question it. Just kind of pause. I think my other kind of winner is that I don't anymore have the fear of changing my position. 
So even if I say something and, you know, guys, this is the way it's going to be. There are 30 widgets. If somebody shows me that there's five more behind me, then, oh, there's 35, right? And I, I feel like so many people have the fear of let me stake this position and I will defend it to the end. And I've learned to get past that. I've learned to, if, if you've got good evidence, if you've got some new information, then we change and we keep moving on. I love that. So not digging in your heels as much, but just sort of integrating all of the ideas and moving forward. Okay, cool. All right, Stefan, Grace, any aha moments as you look back? I would say my aha moment when I kind of really, it really set in for me that I was different being, you know, women in this industry. When I first hired on with Q, I was in the office and you don't see all that differences, right? There's a lot of other women there. So it's, that it didn't really hit me until my first day out on a job with Qit, and I walk out there to go to stretch and flex. You know, the morning meeting with with the craft with the crew, and you just get all these looks, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a thing, um, and I got to figure out how to work with this. There's a lot of advantages and a lot of disadvantages, and you really just have to kind of manipulate through all that and figure out how to make the best of it. It is very easy for, and not just women, men too, for you to get stepped on, right? Talked over in this industry. It's a very fast paced environment, a lot of high energy, every lot of things going on at once. So you really have to make sure that you have your voice and you stand your ground. And if you want to speak up, you have to, you have to speak up and um, not be afraid to speak up. That's great. At a young age, I had a female leader say to me, you know, Misty, if you have an idea, it's your job to say it. And once she made it okay, then I found my voice, right? So I always think back to that. Grace, you're the last one. Aha moment. I will say this one is more of like a a funny, like a funny aha moment. It literally like was in my face that I I was one of the only women on this site. But before I joined Qit, I interned for another company And we were on site and I was with the engineering firm that was there. And I was the only woman on site out of a crew of maybe 30 or 40. But I think it just blew my mind that I was the only woman on site. So the funniest thing was the first day I was there, they had restrooms over to where we were working. And they had the men's restroom and the women's restroom. And they had locked the women's restroom. So I had to find the key for that. And when I did, they they were using it as a storage inside the warehouse boxes and stuff. And then as I entered Qit and I'm on this construction site and I'm with this family on this one particular project and I've, I've never ran into that. And I, if I hadn't experienced that, I would never have thought that was real. You know, we have come so far as an industry and I, you know, even though I work in these male dominated fields for my clients, my organization was always female led. So a lot of times it just, I didn't experience it myself other than if I would go to a conference and realize that I was one of the only business owners there. Right. But I think back even in our organization, gosh, for years, our mother's room was in a closet. Like we weren't taking care of these women that were working so hard, right? So talk to me a little bit about how you've seen your organization evolve to really make sure that they're taking care of women and work-life balance and all of these issues. I know you guys have lots of different sort of organizations and groups that you can lean into. Who's best to answer that? Maybe Cindy? (laughs) Sure, I can take that one. I mean, it's been absolutely amazing and humbling seeing how not 
only the industry as a whole, but Kiwit specifically has really just embraced diversity and building up programs and sponsorship for women and minorities and just diversity and inclusion overall as an organization to kind of to Grace's story, right? When I, my first assignment, when I was out on a job site, they were portajons and it was a row of, of blue portajons and there wasn't a pink one. And now when you go out to site, there's a pink lock portajon so that you have your own safe space and, and clean space in order to, to go use restrooms. And we now have mother rooms that are not closets that are out on the job sites in order to adapt. And it's even gone so far as to working with our material suppliers. And so when we order our personal protective equipment, we have safety vests that are fitted for women and not just a standardized, okay, well, you get a men's extra large and you swim in it and it becomes more of a hazard. And Beyond that, within the organization, as you mentioned, Kiwit has implemented so many different processes. So there's the women in Kiwit. And this started probably about four years ago as kind of a global cultural thing in order to just increase the visibility and the discussion around, yes, this is a difference. There are considerations and and different priorities from what the men in the organization are looking at and how they see what is important versus the women and opening up those discussions and having senior executives and board of director members who are sponsors of these programs to make sure that they get the attention and they get the focus. And it doesn't just become another catchphrase of women in Kiwit that they talk about, but it doesn't actually mean anything. So getting the engagement at all levels of the organization, we've started a future women in Kiwit summit. And so this happens twice a year in Omaha and we bring in new hires, we bring in some interns, we bring in, you know, some of the senior leaders across the company and just have a workshop to discuss women in Kiwit in construction and engineering. We've started a Women in Kiwit scholarship. So if you are a daughter of one of our employees and, and are interested in getting into STEM and engineering or construction management, there's scholarships that you can apply to. And even if you're not a Kiwit employee, right? So really trying to start from high school students and get them engaged and focusing on women and diversity and inclusion all the way up through internships. It's not just a bring them to recognition, okay, this is a buzzword, we have to have something like this so people think that we're doing it. It really dedicates and making sure that these programs are focused and successful and helping build that pipeline so that we can increase the number of women in the industry. It's you guys making time for things like this, right? To be the role models, to put yourself out there. I want to 
pivot one more time and ask you guys about work-life balance, right? It's always the buzzword, but I think it's a little bit different for women. I always say it's more about work-life integration, meaning, you know, you just want to be present wherever you are, whether it's with your family or whether it's with your work, you want to be able to feel like you're all in. I think for me and a theme that I've seen in really, you know, hard driving women like us is that we're all about setting goals and we want to achieve and it makes us feel good to do that. But at the same time, that comes as a trade-off or a sacrifice sometimes in our personal life. So what has that whole work-life balance issue meant for you and how has QIT supported you in that journey? Cindy, I'll turn to you first. Tell me about your work-life balance. Well, I'm currently over in Japan for a year, so... So not great? There's no balance? No. Um, I... I mean, I guess it's really what you said, right? It's, it is setting for yourself what it means to be for you. And at different phases and at different projects and just depending on the circumstances, I think it looks different. And It's negotiating what that looks like in the time and in the space where you need it to be. One of the things that I will say Qit is really, really good at is they've got an amazing program for when we assign people to work on project sites, understanding that regardless of who the employees are, they're away from their family, they're away from their home. And so we've got a really good turnaround policy for our staff employees. So depending on the project, the length of the project and the length of the assignment, the last assignment that I was working on, every three weeks, I got three days holiday, basically, for a turnaround. So last flight home on Thursday, got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, first flight back on Monday, and every three weeks, it was go home, get away from the project recharge, refresh, have time with your family. And so they really do have programs in place to try to help with work-life balance. It all just becomes what you make it to be. Well, I love that you said, I choose where I'm going to put my time and energy, right? And I think that organizations that treat people like adults and allow them that flexibility as long as they get their work done are really great cultures. I'm going to circle back to Stephanie real quick because I would love to hear from you before I switch to some of the newer folks on the team. How's work-life balance going? It's a constant struggle. So I I hate the whole idea of a work-life balance because it made me think that there was one earlier in my career. I think nowadays I just focus on, am I doing enough for my family or picking the priority today? Um, I think I I just listened to a podcast about burnout and I'm like, you're always kind of having that thought of, is that where I am? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm okay today. It's just watching out for each other. I kind of tease Cindy because I feel like she is an all work person. She works too much in my opinion, but of course we all love her for that too. It's figuring out your boundaries and realizing that you're not going to be a hundred percent in every single aspect of your life. And so just deciding which, what you want to be on each side. And I can't tell you how many people told me I work too much. And I was like, but I really like it. Can I keep doing it? Because I really, really love it. All right, Steph and Grace, tell me about your work-life balance, how that's been handled at QIT. I want to add on to what Stephanie said about how you won't be able to put 100% into, right, into what you do. It's kind Yeah, of- there, there is no balance. Right. <laughs> you just pick. <laughs> but I think what's really cool is that 
I've heard most people tell me and something that I try to live by now is that no matter what you pick and choose, you accomplish things by whatever time you do have, you put a hundred percent into what you do have at that moment. Maybe you only did work six hours and you feel like some, like you feel bad for leaving those two extra hours, but you put in a hundred percent into those six hours that you did work. And so the amount of work you would have put into eight hours, you just build into six. So I think that's really cool and something that definitely contributes to Q's culture of not always checking your little green bubble on teams or not always checking what time you come in and come out of the, the job site. And so I think that's what it is. And something that I like about where I'm starting off as a new hire is my management. Um, and not just because I'm saying that because she's right next to me, but because I learned by example and she always tells me and upper management always tells me that it is important to have that side outside of work just to ensure that you can relax and again, not get burned out. And there's so much more to a person than what they do for a job, but also finding their passions outside of work and having those experiences come into problem solving and maybe something that you learn outside of work can help on a future project. Yeah. I kick her out at five o'clock every day. (laughs) That's a sign of a good leader. And I'm literally like, what are you doing here? It will be here tomorrow. Go home. Go go home. Yeah. I guess really the only thing I, I would add on to that. I agree with these ladies a hundred percent. I don't really like the word work-life balance. It's, it's what you want. I personally am a workaholic. So I love to be in at five in the morning and I'm staying till six, seven o'clock at night. But that's me. That's kind of how I want my balance to be. The one thing I will say about Qit, and I think the industry as well, is that Qit has done a phenomenal job since when I hired on five years ago at allowing that option to be there. All right. So before we switch gears and talk about you guys as people, I want to ask one more question about the industry and the company at large. As a marketing agency, we care a lot about all the trends in the industry and we're always trying to put out content and information and do our part. I want to go around and ask what's something that's happening in construction or oil and gas or the industry at large and engineering that you're really excited about, that you're like personally passionate about and you want to sort of bake it into your career trajectory. We'll start again with Cindy. I would say right now, one of the things that I'm just absolutely in awe of is the implementation of new technologies and challenging the norm. I mean, we have drones that we can fly across site now and they can give us estimated quantities of how big our stockpile is and how much cubic yards of dirt we've got in our stockpile to to help us with our planning and execution sequence. And Every single day, it seems like there's a new technology or, you know, the, the bio suits to help us stay hydrated and looking at this technology as it's being developed and how can we leverage it to not only make our people more safe as we go out and execute this work and really not be in a position where we have to get somebody hurt to how can this make us better at what we do every day? It's moving so quickly that it's hard to keep up and hard to really say, okay, is this something that's going to last? Is this something that, you know, is worth investing time in and understanding more versus is this just the new fad? But it's just amazing the speed of technology and the growth and the opportunities that are there with 
increased communication and programming and, and the expertise in this field. So that's one of the ones that I'm excited by. Great answer. What about you, Stephanie? Cindy and I are working on the same project. She's in Japan and I'm in Houston. And so while I hate the fact that I have to have meetings at six or seven at night, it drives me nuts. I love the fact that we're getting things done pretty much around the clock. It is so cool to know that, you know, I'm going to finish this and somebody overseas is going to look at it and by tomorrow it'll be done. And it's fun to be able to, you know, Cindy and I have a weekly call with each other, right? And that that's not even a big deal because technology is so far forward that we can just call and chat. No problem. So the globalization piece of it too, you know? Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Grace, what about you? I think what Cindy was saying, one of my roles as an FE is quantity and making sure that we are tracking that correctly and seeing what the technology is like now and finding different ways to forecast and ways to create reports and track and take pictures and record. It's it's fun. And it's also interesting just because it's like with every new project, there's new technology being progressed every day. And so it's kind of like you're always going to be a guinea pig getting to like find the errors and correct them as you go. Um, so I think that's always interesting, always something to learn. Right. So once you learn one thing, you're moving on to the next and trying to figure that out. What about you, Steph? Anything you're super passionate about industry wide? I think just just in general, industry wide, what excites me is following the market. It's super exciting how one year, one month, uh, it may be all about LNG, liquefied natural natural gas, or now all of a sudden the industry, the world is moving into solar energy or whatever that may be, right? Or water energy, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, it's super exciting to just follow along that. And then personally, that kind of leads into maybe what my career, where my career may end up. Right now, I'm in oil and gas, but who knows in five to 10 years or next year, the big market is in wind and solar. And I'll go and get to learn that whole industry. So just the the what if or what could happen is probably what's most exciting to me. What an awesome macro level answer. I love that. I need to think about these things offline. We're going to go build content strategies now as an agency to (laughs) talk about these things. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to symantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. Well, 
Well, we're running short on time, guys. So I want to get some final thoughts from you. And I'm going to let you take this where you may. It's always really important to me to understand my interviewees as leaders because you all are leaders in your own right. You've already shared with me a couple insights about what it's been like to be a woman in a traditionally male-dominated field. But when you think about your specific leadership philosophies, your secrets to success, your core beliefs, maybe a failure you've learned from, give me just one thing, nugget of advice that you would pass on to somebody else as you think about your philosophies in that space. And this time we are going to start with Stephanie. So I'd say that my core belief is people are always first, and it resonates with us in our project team. Yes, we're supp- we think about the bigger project, we think about our client, we think about our company and all of those things, but it's the people on our team. I do what I do, not necessarily because of an end product that whatever we're building will make. I do it because the people that sit next to me asked me a question, and I want to answer their question, and I That's adore so them. cool. That aligns with what Steph said about your values, which is awesome. Grace, what about you? You're younger in your career, but tell me a little bit about your leadership philosophies. My leadership philosophies, uh, I think ultimately in any position I've ever taken, so whether I was an officer for organizations like Shep for my university or on boards for SWE for my university and, and moving on to the very first rung of a ladder within Qit, it's always a, a, what is it, a fake it till you make it mentality. Once you're thrown out into the field, never, never be afraid to go up to a, a random person that may look at you strange because they don't know you and you introduce yourself and you say, tell me about, you know, what you do. Tell me about how I can help you. What is something that I need to know um, that will help me, you know, the next day that will help you tomorrow. I love the fearlessness. We're all just people, right? We all just put our pants on the same way. So you got to not be scared of anyone. Okay, Steph, what about you? My leadership philosophy is support, support, support. It's got to be, I think Grace can contribute to that. Just constantly making sure that they're supported. I think as people leave companies, probably the most common answers to why are you quitting is because of port management. And I keep that in the back of my head to make a conscious effort, no matter how busy I am with my job, my day-to-day job, I am checking in on them and making sure that they are good, they feel supported. There's, I watched this video once a while ago and it really stuck with me. And it was a gentleman asking a guy, he walked into a coffee shop and asked the barista, hey, do you, do you enjoy your job? And the guy said, yes, absolutely. And he said, could you care to elaborate as to why? And he said, management, I do not feel I'm not hiding behind the register. Management comes to me multiple times a day and asks, what can I do to make your job better, to make your job easier? And that gentleman also said, and I have another job at a hotel and I hate it. And so that gentleman asked him, well, why do you hate it? And he goes, because management, I only hear from management when something goes wrong, when I did something wrong. So I go to that job to collect a paycheck and I'm constantly, I'm hiding behind my desk, hiding behind whatever it may be, keeping my head down. And so that that's always just stuck with me is just to make sure that I am there to support them. I love that. And hopefully I'm doing a good job at that. It's <laughs> great. All right. And then we're going to go to Cindy, but Cindy, I'm going to add one question onto yours. So I want to hear your leadership philosophy, but I also want to hear the question that you're struggling with most. And that's where we're going to end today. I always like to have a question that we can pass on to somebody else. For my leadership philosophy, Steph mentioned it. 
mine really focuses on stewardship. So within Kiwit, I mean, we've talked about some of the amazing things that they have for the programs for the people who are in the industry and everything else, but looking beyond Kiwit, getting involved in the communities that we go into work in and being able to do things to help improve those communities, right? So especially with the oil, gas, and chemical side of things, we go into areas that are struggling a little bit and being able to see that when we leave the area, that just the opportunities that are staying there as we move on to our next job and the impact that we can have into those communities and the schools and the programs and everything else, it just making sure that Within Kiwit, we've got an amazing organization and support group and mentorship opportunities and and take care of our people is absolutely something I'm passionate about with that, but also seeing how we can move the passion and the knowledge and the experience beyond to be able to also grow and influence and impact and change the industry and then also those communities in which we work every day. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons I love being in this industry. So good answer. So give me a question, something you're struggling with, something you'd love some feedback on. Something that I am struggling with. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can call on somebody else, but I was going to give you all the time because it's a hard one. You have one, Stephanie? I do. And it is one that I had a little bit of time off in between my last job and this one and realized how much more time I could spend with my family. And I realized that maybe in my previous projects, I had been a little burned out. And so my current challenge is I thought I could come to this new job and not burn myself out. And all of my friends told me that it was going to be the same. And I denied, denied, denied. And so my challenge is, is that I, I can't do anything but a 150 miles an hour. And to avoid burnout, I should be going, my plan was let's go 80. Let's take it easy and let's not, you know, not do it. But I'm struggling to, um, you know, kind of when I'm at work, I'm, I'm full on and I use all the brains still trying to find a way to dial it back. That's such a great question. I, have a a mindset coach that really helps me with that because I was the same way. I would just run myself into the ground and I would have to go home and recuperate for three days, you know, and then I realized there's somewhere in the middle of this that I have to sort of find that middle ground. So maybe that's something I can help with. I'll pass along her name and we can have some conversations offline. All right, guys. Well, we are up on time. I cannot thank you enough for dedicating this now over an hour. And I hope that we can keep in touch. I like have only spent an hour with you folks and I love you personally. So let's keep talking about construction and all the big things happening in this industry. And again, thank you. It's been great to get to know you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. It's great talking to you. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. I'm so proud to bring you episodes this season from the hardworking women in leadership and decision-making roles getting it done at Heavy Industry Brands. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, you can check out more episodes of the podcast at our marketingsweats.com website or find us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. That's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we'll chat again soon. 